Right, welcome, ladies. We're learning uh, Tehillim, David Amelech. Allah was shalom. We're up to chapter 91. And this is a uh, classic chapter. It's the chapter that uh, you should be familiar with. We do read it from time to time. This is a chapter that we read, um, God forbid, at funerals, when they're taking the body out. They read Yoshev Besetir Elyon Beset Shaddait Lonan. This is a chapter that you'll also read if you say Kiryat Shema Alamita, the Kiryat Shema before you go to sleep at night, which I recommend all our members to get into the practice of doing that. So you also say this chapter as well. Uh, this is a chapter that is also recited at different uh, life cycles. For example, on Hanukkah, after we light the menorah, some have the custom to recite this chapter seven times. Also, in the cycle of life, we say this chapter on Motzei Shabbat. Every Motzei Shabbat, we start the week with this chapter of Yoshev Besetir Elyon. So it's it's quite common, and we have to try to find a a common thread. Uh, to explain to us why we read this chapter in those uh, chosen places. The Gemara refers to this chapter as Shir Shel Pega'im. It is the song of Pega'im. Pega'im is the song of uh, protection against dangerous occurrences. So this would be the chapter of protection. And therefore, whenever somebody finds themselves in a dangerous or compromised situation where they need divine assistance, this is a chapter that you should always have on your tongue. You should have it on a card, laminated, so you could always say it in order that it will bring you protection, not only from physical uh, uh, enemies, but spiritual enemies as well. These are the demons, these are the spirits, these are angels that can be harmful. This chapter has the ability to ward them, to ward them away. That explains why, again, at a funeral, uh, there is a concern that the spiritual uh, angels that were created, let's say, from the sins of a person, uh, they might come and try to damage the body. So therefore, we constantly repeat this over, and as we're saying it, it wards away any damaging spirits or things like that, that could, God forbid, damage the body. Uh, that would explain also why we recite it before we go to sleep at night. Uh, before he goes to sleep at night, so people always want to know from the rabbi, uh, my son or my daughter has bad dreams, uh, does the rabbi have any ideas? Well, the first idea is throw out the TV. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, then call me back. Usually that's just enough, and then once they stop watching scary movies on TV and having unlimited access to uh, all the uh, uh, fun stuff, so then all of a sudden their minds become a little more clear and they start to dream good things. So if that doesn't work... When do you say it? After the whole Shema? Oh, 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 I'm going to give you everything. So now, so therefore, in Kiryat Shema Lamita, since a person is sending up his Neshama back to God for some upgrades... Just like your iPhone gets upgraded when you're sleeping, your neshama is sent up and it comes down 2.0, 3.0, 16.0. Every day it gets a different upgrade. And you got to be sleeping for this to work. But when the neshama goes up, tum'ah sets in. That's why you have to wash your hands in the morning. So it could be a dangerous time for the person. That's why a person, when he's sleeping, he's vulnerable. So in order to protect us from that vulnerability, we say this chapter as well before we go to sleep. So this, this protects us from uh, what we used to call when we were young, the boogeyman. Uh, that'll keep that, uh, uh, that away, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, another time that we say it is on Saturday night. On Saturday night, Moseh Shabbat, as we call it, so that's when Gehinam opens up again. Gehinam is officially closed on Shabbat. Could you believe it? Even Gehinam is closed on Shabbat. So, I mean, if, they, if Gehinam can close on Shabbat, then... Uh, we shouldn't be worse than Gehinam. I mean, we have to... I mean, the Shomer Shabbat and Gehinam. So, what does that say? <laughs> so now, uh, the, yeah, Gehinam is closed. The, the, the people that are in that place, H-E-L-L, I don't like to say it, 
they get a reprieve on Shabbat, which is good. But then Motzei Shabbat, when we say Borei Meorei Esh, when that fire is open on earth, and they we uh, rekindle the fires in heaven, and everybody starts to, so the Mazikim come out of Motzei Shabbat. So to protect us from the Mazikim, from the damaging influences that come out of Motzei Shabbat, we recite Yoshev Besit Yon in order to protect us as well. So the common denominator we're finding over here is whenever there's a need for protection, either physical or spiritual, this chapter is going to be said. We say it in Shacharit on Shabbat as well. That's a different Kabbana, but you're correct. Kabbana on that is, those are Mizmurim uh, that prepare us for the Tefillah. That's part of Seder Tefillah. No, 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 madam, not. Only Shaharit Shal Shabbat. And for Shaharit Shal Shabbat, it's not for protective reasons, because you don't have to be worried on Shabbat. Shabbat is protected already. It's for Tefillah reasons. The last time I said we say it is on Hanukkah, after we like the menorah, and that is because uh, when, uh, when we're lighting the menorah on Hanukkah, I know Hanukkah is not, not anywhere near on the calendar, but nonetheless, we're learning the chapter, so I want you to have a full comprehensive understanding. Hanukkah is a special holiday where the light of God comes down to us. Normally, that doesn't happen. You need Shabbat for the light to come down to us. Normally, during the week, on a, on a mundane day, that's not an official holiday where you're allowed to do work, for example, this doesn't happen. Hanukkah is an exception. When we light the menorah, it brings down tremendous uh, upgrades, and, I mean, it's an incredible, the half hour especially, is incredible. Uh, levels that you cannot reach during the course of the year, during Hanukkah happens. However, when these energies are coming down at the time of the lighting, there is concern that they might be sabotaged by some forces that try to reroute it. So in order to protect the uh, shefa that's coming down, Yoshev B'Sed pushes those, uh, uh, you know, those in- interference, we'll call them, these uh, uh, intruders away in order that the shefa will reach us uh, so I think we found the common denominator. Why seven times? Oh, why seven times? Uh, <laughs> Kabbalistic, let's put it that way. There's, there's seven levels in the Kabbalah, Chesed, Giburat, Tefer, and Nesa, Sefirot, and therefore one, 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 one per. We'll call, it, we'll call it for that. We say it backwards. Say it backwards. I have a hard time saying it forward. Now you're saying it backwards? Okay, God bless us. I mean, how about standing on your head? You do that too? <laughs> Oh, you don't stand staying on yet. I, don't, I, I, have, I said I have a hard time saying it forward. Now you're saying it backwards? Okay. Uh, I wish you luck. I, 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 I mean, listen, I did hear it. I'm just being facetious. Uh, during the plague or, or the pandemic, I'm sure you heard about the pandemic, the COVID that deal. So during COVID, they were sending out uh, opinions from the Kabbalah to say this chapter to protect from, and they're right. And reading of Hidab brings to say it backwards as well because you're making a different configuration of words by reading it backwards and, and Kabbalistically somehow that configuration wards off uh, as well. But again, uh, I would work on going forward and not, don't pay too much attention on the, on the backwards. Alright, so that's, that's the intro to the chapter. If you live in Brooklyn for sure. You know, if you, if you lived in a safer place, then I might, you know, give you another chapter to read. But, uh, yeah, if you're living in Brooklyn, New York, uh, I think this is a chapter that should be added to the top, uh, top three list. Now, those who know always have your ship beset on, the, on their tongue. What if you're saying it, Kiryat Shema? What if it's what you say every night? So, so I'll, make, so I'll explain you the Kiryat Shema. <clears throat> the Zohar Kadosh says that when Shilomo HaMelech used to go to sleep at night, he used to have 60 guards that guarded his bed. Talk about uh, security. And the Pasuk says, This is the bed of Shilomo. Shishim giborim savivla gibore Yisrael. He had 60 giborim, 60 strong men from the Giborei Yisrael. Kulam Each one was holding a sword. Melumedem Hama, And they were fluent in war. Ish harbo al And they were holding their sword ready to 
uh, you know, take it out of the shiv, mipahad balelot, from the fear of the night. Now, don't think for a second that this is literal, that Shalom had 60 men around his bed. Uh, how do you fall asleep? <laughs> what he had was, what he had was, was 60 angels, which are invisible, but Shilomo, as we know, had sovereignty over the lower worlds and the upper worlds. And every night he was able to summon 60 malachim, giburim, and that they were able to, Israel, whenever you see El, El is the, uh, is the suffix of an angel. And therefore they were around his bed and they protected him. Now, we are not on the level of Shilomo, but we also want the protection. So there is a way to summon the 60 angels to our bedside every night to protect us. I'm going to tell you how. Before you go to sleep at night, after you say the Kiryat Shema, we say, Birkat Kohanim, Yebarechecha Adonai V'yishmerecha, Ya'er Adonai Panav Elecha V'chonecha, Yisa Adonai Panav Elecha V'yasem Lecha Shalom. If you count the letters, not the words, if you count the letters of those three pesukim, there's exactly 60 letters. The 60 letters summon the 60 angels in order to protect. That's why there's a custom to say Birkat Kohanim before you go to sleep. And if you look in the Kiryat Shema papers that you have next to your bed or the Sidur, you'll see after Shema, there's mention of Birkat Kohanim. People ask, why are we mentioning Birkat Kohanim before you go to sleep? It's because of the 60 letters that summon the 60 Malachim like Shalom Mohammed. Now there's something else we do that also is connected to the number 60. And that is, we say the Pasuk that I just said, Hineh mitato shilishlomo shishim giborim saviv la megibore Yisrael kulam ahuze chedev melumide melchama ish harbo al yericho mepahad Balilot, 20 words. And we say it three times. It's right there. Exactly where we're still. In, it's a whole story. It's, it's better than counting sheep. Which means, which means you have this pasukinim which has exactly 20 words. And we say it three times in order to now get to the magic number 60. And that also creates the element of having the 60 angels protecting us uh, from, uh, from any, any danger. There's a third element of 60. If you notice in your Kiryat Shema order that we're talking about, right after that, they say, say this chapter, but not the whole chapter. We say, Yoshev Vesetre Elyon, until, if you look at the Pasuk, until... Ki ata Hashem Masi. So till Pasuk Tet. And not even the whole Pasuk Tet. We say it up until Ki ata Hashem Masi. And very strange. We stop mid Pasuk. When do we ever start a chapter? And even if you tell me you don't want to read the whole chapter, but to stop mid sentence, what is, the, what is the business there? Well, take a guess. If you count the words, from Yoshev Besetet until Ki Atashem Mahsi, 60 words. And that's why we stop at that point. So that's the third example of 60 that is mentioned in the Kiryat Shema. I repeat, very cute. It's more than cute. This is, this is, this is a, a, a Shemira. So wait, but the three are Birkat Kohanim, the 60 letters. And then we have Hinimitatoshil Shlomo. The Pesukim that have 20 words, and we say it, you'll look at this suit, it says times three. For that reason, now you know why times three. Oh. What, what, what do I have to do to convince you? It's in the book. I will show you after the class. I'm a rabbi, would I lie to you? No, I'm joking. What's your question? Before you fall asleep, for sure. <laughs> which, which means, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how important it is. When I was uh, younger, where I had more uh, you know, stamina at 11 o'clock at night, so that I would wait till I go to sleep. As you get a little older, 
we can't keep our eyes open. You just say the word Shema and uh, you're in, uh, you know, Disneyland. So therefore, uh, the, it's, and we don't want to give up Kiryat Shema. So therefore, uh, now, uh, I will say it when I'm still, even, still in my suit, before I even begin to retire, where I feel like I'm going to go to sleep imminently, I would say the Kiryat Shema with Kavana, proper, and not worry about it. It has to be... It, you're allowed to talk. We don't say the Kiryat Shema with the Beracha. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. No, but let's say now I'm still dressed and I say, but I go to sleep. I need like another 10, 15 minutes to go to sleep. I, I, go, I do it sometimes way before that. I had a custom in the shul. It's fine. It's very fine. Again, only, not, not because I want you to say it early. Because I don't want you to miss it. And I'm concerned that once you get into your pajamas and you're in the bed, you're going to fall asleep and then it goes Kiryat Shema. You missed all. So it's better to say it early than to not say it at all. You should try to say it before midnight, not Cinderella midnight, 12 o'clock. Midnight is halachic midnight. So, for example, tonight halachic midnight would be 12.08 or 12.07. You have to look it on the app and put uh, what time is the halakha midnight, and it tells you sometimes halakha midnight can be 1 o'clock in the morning. And sometimes it's uh, 12. So my custom started to speak to say Kiryat Shema early on. And as a matter of fact, somebody recently told me that in Halab, the custom was that in some of the shuls there, before they would go home, they would pray Arbit, and the rabbi would say Kiryat Shema with the Kahal in shul, just to make sure that they say it, and they don't, and they, and they, don't, they, don't, they don't mess it up. So again, the answer to that is a rabbinical answer. It depends. It depends on the person. And for me, it didn't work, because I fall asleep before I finish Kiryat Shema, so I have to say it earlier. But if you have stamina, that you could uh, stay up. If you're going to stay in bed and read for 20 minutes anyway, so you might as well say it uh, when it's there. Anyway, but the point is, this is one of the chapters that is said. So, it's, so that's, the, that's the introduction. See, I'm sorry, and if it is past midnight... You still say it. You still say it, but it's not the primary time to say it. Our custom is never to make the Berachah, Baruch HaMapil. We don't say Baruch HaTashim, Baruch HaMapil. Yes, that's the only, everything else you say. No, but you'd say it also without a barakah. We say, Baruch HaMapil, Hebleshen. Instead of saying, Baruch HaTashim, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam HaMapil, we say, Baruch HaMapil. We jump to HaMapil. No, but that's, uh, the, the, the barakah is Ata Hashem, Elokeinu Melech HaOlam. Anyway, you should... Uh, <laughs> I get paid to be bothered. You don't have to worry. I want to say it earlier when I get in my bed, so I don't fall asleep, can I play it on my <laughs> Could you believe I was never asked that question? Would you believe if, if I would tell you nobody ever asked me that question? I, I don't have a problem. You can play bridge after you play. Yes, it's okay. All right. You might win now that you say it. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we go now to, uh, to the chapter. That's an introduction, by the way. We don't usually give such long introductions to the chapter, but I felt that since it's a unique chapter and it has special qualities, I thought that uh, it, should be, uh, it should be highlighted. There's something else in the chapter that I want to point out at the onset. Go to Pasuk Yud Aleph. Uh, chapter 91, Pasuk 11. And here the Pasuk says, The angels, God will dispatch his angels. Yitzavelach, Yitzavelach means that they will, uh, either God will command them to be with you, or Yitzavelach, they will accompany you. Yitzavelach means they will accompany you. Lishmurcha, to protect you. Bechol derachecha. So again, you see how the chapter is connected to protection. Here we're summoning the angels that God should send his angels in order to protect. Now, something halachic. In the olden days, and this is brought down in Shohan Aruch, right in the beginning. In the olden days, they used to make a blessing, not only when they came out of the bathroom, forgive me, but even before they went in. And we know the barakah, when a person exits, he makes a shed yatsav. What barakah does he make before he goes in? The Gebarah says it's called hitkabedu mechubadim. What is hitkabedu mechubadim? When a person is now going to go into this place, the assumption one, he has, he has angels escorting him. Everybody has guardian angels escorting him. And it wouldn't be proper to go into this place without asking permission from the angels that please, you know, wait, wait outside for me. I have to do what humans do and then I will come out 
and we will reunite. So they would actually ask permission to the Malachim to, uh, you know, to, to, to leave them temporarily. Uh, and especially in the olden days where uh, the bathrooms were far out in dangerous places, so you were telling the angels that even though I'm departing from you, Azruni, Azruni, Shamruni, Shamruni, protect me, help me, don't, don't leave me, just wait outside and make sure that you know, I survive. The question is today we don't say it. And the reason is because, few reasons. Number one, thank God, it's safer the way we live when it comes to that. And number two, we don't uh, assume that we're on such a high level that we have angels escorting us. You know, so if you see someone of your friends outside the bedroom saying, oh, angels, what, what do you think you are? You think you're, uh, you know, it's a decade of the, of the generation? Calm down. This is a thousand years ago they said it, but not in our generation. And they learned, how did they know that there was angels escorting a person from this pasuk? Because God commands the angels, but there's another halakha that comes out of this pasuk that I want to bring to your attention. It is significant. And that is one of the most vulnerable places where a person needs extra protection is when he travels. The Gebarah says, Kol sakana. All roads are dangerous. No matter where you go. They did studies that most accidents happen within five miles of a person's house. People would think, oh, accidents are because you were in the, you know, the Kalimanjaro, it was in the jungle somewhere. No, you have to go to the jungle. Even uh, locally, uh, people have to be, be, be careful. I once asked a big rabbi, and I might have said this to you, I might have asked a big rabbi that, uh, why is it so? Why is it that accidents happen more locally than, than from far away? And the explanation is, because when you would leave your house and you tell your grandmother that I'm going to China, so your grandmother would say, Allah God be with you. But if you say, I'm going to King's Highway to get a pizza, okay, good luck. You know, they don't, even though they would say, Allah on that also. Uh, so that's why we, we, we're lucky, which means they, they, they would wish you well on a long trip. But when, if you tell somebody in the modern world, let's say, you know, I'm going down the block. They don't say, okay, I should be with you, protect you. See you later, come back soon. And therefore, they don't pray. So therefore, they're more, they're more vulnerable. But there's certain things that you could say in order to protect you on the trip. Besides this chapter, but from this chapter, we learn a holy name of God. Some of you know it, but I will explain it to you. It's the holy name of Hashem. It's not the ones you know, Yudke, Bavke, Elohim, that, of course... But the specific names that if a person ponders them, this is a turbulence, kavana, uh, for people who are scared of turbulence. So therefore you just think of the Shem, and it's not going to stop the turbulence, but at least maybe you'll feel more uh, calm. And that is the name of Hashem. I'm saying the letters now. Yud, and then a Vav, and then a He, and then a Chaf. Which would be, just so you can remember it, the acronym of Yom HaKippurim. Like you would say Yom Kippurim, so how would you spell it in an acronym? Yud Vav Hechav Yom Kippurim. That's just a way to remember it. Now, where did they get this holy name? So they got it from actually our chapter. If you look at Pasuk Yud Aleph, you see the word Ki. What's the last letter of the word Ki? Yud. What's the last letter of Malachav? Vav. And the last letter of Yitzaveh? He. And Lach is a Chav Sofit. So the Sofet Tevot. Of Ki, Malachav, Yitzavelach, that's where we learn this name. That's what Arizal told us is the name of protection. Based on this, there's another minhag that we have. The minhag is, and the Gemara says this, that when a person is leaving his friend, uh, you're departing in the airport, somebody's traveling, so you're supposed to depart through words of Torah. That should be the last conversation you have. And the Gemara says that that's a it's a it's a it's it's a way to remember not only your friend but you remember the Vetura also. I guess it's such a momentous moment, so you remember. Oh, I remember we were in the airport and you told me this, and then therefore we, it's a way to remember the conversation as well. So, if you know uh, in the religious circles when people leave each other, they always like to leave each other with a halakha or a, a, a devre Torah. 
and it became the practice, and people didn't know why, that they would leave each other with a, a, a very simple halakha, which became the standard item that you tell your friend before they're traveling. They would say to them, Yahid verabim halakha kerabim, which is a law from the Gemara, which means if you have an argument between an individual and uh, many people. So who does the halakha follow? The many. We know the rule, majority rules. And how does Gemara say majority rules? Yahid verabim. You have the, the, the sole opinion, and then you have the rabim as the majority opinion. Who do you follow? Halakha kerabim. You learned the law now? Now, why did they pick that law to be the halakha to say it to the people before they travel? Because if you take the Rashi Tevot, Yud Vav Hechaf, Yahid Verabim, Halakha Kerabim. So they wanted to not only say a halakha, but they also wanted to include that name in order to give the person protection. I would like to say what the Ben Ishai says. Listen, obviously these are deep ways of learning the chapters of Tehillim. I don't tell you what to do, but... Yes, yes, yeah, don't say it. It's something to ponder, correct. Now, these are deep ways of learning the chapter, obviously, and I want to... Uh, uh, I could come and just explain. And just be an ulpan, but you don't need me for that. That you could do on your own. Take an English daily and see the words. I'm just trying to give you some insights that are in these chapters that you might not see on your own. The Gemara tells a story of Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Akiva. The Gemara is in Berachot, page 37. And the Gemara says that Rabban Gamliel, who was the president at the time, had a custom. His custom was that whenever he would eat from the fruits of Israel, we had two bishvat the other day, uh, a pomegranate or a date, one of the fruits of Israel, he would say, Birkat Amazon. Interesting. We make Birkat Amazon on dates. Not only on bread. Now, uh, they had, a, I guess, a seuda, and they had fruit. And then Rabban Gemil told the Akiva, okay, make the Beracha. Beracha Haruna. So instead of making Birkat Amazon, he made the Beracha Me'en Shalosh, the Beracha that we make when we have uh, fruits. So Rabban Gimele got a little upset, and he said, what, what are you doing? You know my opinion, and I told you to make the Beracha, I would assume that you would have followed my opinion. So it seems that Rabban Gimele got a little agitated from Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva says, yes, Rabbi, but you taught us you taught us that even though you're a, you're a great man, but the majority of the rabbis argue on you, and therefore I'm only following the majority. So it seems like a very innocuous conversation. Rabban Gamal said, what's the big idea? How come you didn't follow my opinion? And Rabbi Akiva answered, I'm just following the majority. But the Benish Hai says deeper. In the older days, uh, when you would agitate the rabbi, the great tzaddikim, sometimes their, um, their upsetness and their anger and their nervousness would cause harm mm-hmm. to the one that did it, even if it was unintentional. So you always want to be careful not to get under the skin of these tzaddikim, because if they just say, oh, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, you know, the, 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 the lightning comes and, 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 and zaps the guy. So you, they, were, they were careful. So in this case, look how smart Rabbi Akiba was. Wow. He comes along and he says, uh, Rabbi tells him, make the beracha. So he, he's following what he's supposed to do. He made berachat me'en shalosh. Rabbi Akiva got, got offended. I told you to make the beracha. So Rabbi Akiva realized that, forget about the fact that he didn't follow Rabbi Gamaliel. He's in danger now. So he has to figure out a way to protect himself. So he says, Rabbi, didn't you teach us Yahid v'Rabim halacha k'Rabim? He he wanted to figure out a way to say it without saying it, and therefore that was a, a way for Rabbi Akiva to protect himself. God forbid from an unintentional anger that the Bangyo might have had, and it might boomerang against Rabbi Akiva. So he figured out a way in conversation to uh, say that. Uh, so the next time he hears somebody saying, "Oh, Yahid v'Rabim k'Rabim," that means they think you're a threat. And therefore, uh, they're using that word as a, uh, as a defense 
in order not to uh, uh, to get hurt. Huh? Instead of the hand. Oh, not instead. We don't work with accessories. <laughs> accessories will not help you. A uh, fish and an eyeball and all that red string. It only helps the one that sold it to you. But we're talking about over here, we're talking about over here, things that work from the Arizal. Arizal says it, that's it. We take it to the bank. So that's, that's that story of Yahid Now, why, why would you think that you say that Barahai after deeds? Why, like, oh, what's the, what's the opinion? Yes. We have that for you me every morning. <laughs> well, that's a, a, a Talmudist question. Curious. curious, because I'll tell you why. It's not part of it, but if you ask. Because if you look in the Pasuk, it says, Eres Hita Usora, the Gefin Utena Verimon, Eres the Chemin Udvash. And the next Pasuk says, so the source of Berkat Mazon is written right next to the Pasuk that talks about the seven fruit. So the Bangimir said, why are these two Pasukim juxtaposed to each other? Must be to teach us that when you eat one of these, you have to make Berkat Mazon. And now the question is, what are the other rabbis hold? Okay, that's already, we're getting too deep into it. But the point is, that's why he said, Now there's something else that I want to tell you uh, from this chapter. No, we say me'en shalosh. We follow the majority. Majority opinions is birkat uh, me'en shalosh. Exactly this. Exactly. Think these names. Say the chapter. Say the chapter. Yeah, it's not going to protect you from your mother-in-law. I can't guarantee that, but it, 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 it helps. Well, the, 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 uh, you're, you're very good. Okay, so if, if you if you have that attitude, then God bless you. But some people get scared when they see uh, an abid with a crowbar coming at them. They, they get scared. Some people say, oh, shame runs the world, and they walk away. I would get scared, and I would say the chapter. That's my point. Certain things everybody gets afraid of. Okay, that, that, take that example. Oh, okay. That's okay. I, I, I'm not, don't use this against your uh, your husband to kill him. This is this is being used when you're in danger, real real danger, or or or, or 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 situations that are not apparent danger, like going to sleep at night, where nobody thinks they're in danger when they're going to sleep at night, but there is spiritual harm. Or Saturday night, nobody feels there's more danger on Saturday night than on Sunday night, but because Gehinam is opened up on Saturday night, so there's negative forces that came out. So therefore, even things that you don't see, this like a, a, a dead person, nobody sees at a funeral and thinks that the dead body's in any sort of danger at that point. He's act, actually he's actually protected. He's in a box, but he's holding him and all that. But you don't realize what you don't see. There's a lot of, and then what to keep that coast clear. So that that's what really the chapter is, is useful for the for the uh, not only the apparent dangers, but for the uh, situations that are not. And again, we do see the shame of of protection as well. Another another highlight. Of the of the chapter is like this. Look at uh, pasuk. I know I'm jumping around, but that's okay. Look at the pasuk. Yeah, let's see the pasuk. I'm going to base it on a. On the Gemara that I have. Oh, here it is. Okay. The Gemara is in Ta'anit, on page 16. And the Gemara quotes a pasuk from our chapter. The pasuk that the Gemara is quoting is, Imo Anuchi Besara. Which pasuk is that? Imo Anuchi Besara. What pasuk? Tedvav, gorgeous. You will call out to God and he will answer you. These are very important words. What does mean? God says, I am with the person in his trouble. It means you're not alone. God is talking. With him, that God forbid, when a person is going through a crisis, he shouldn't think for a second that God has left him. As a matter of fact, God actually is with the person even closer, maybe, than he is uh, to others. A person feels abandoned when, God forbid, they're going through a difficult time. David reminds that actually when a person is going through a difficult time, he's actually humbled, and God always is attracted to the person that is humbled or downtrodden or the underdog, 
And therefore, a person has to know that actually these moments are much closer that you are to God than not. With this, I once heard from Hakam Baruch Alava Shalom, my rabbi, when somebody's mourning, so the custom is that they tell the, uh, uh, the mourners, which means God should console you. And what does that mean? The consolation should mean that because you are grieving, now God is grieving with you. That should be your consolation. That now you have attained the level of being a little closer to Hashem as a result of this, of this uh, tragedy. The Nehama should be that you are now enjoying a certain closer relationship. It, 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 if I could give the mashal in parenting, uh, the mother is always going to give the most attention to the child that struggles the most. So the child that has the most issues is going to get the mother's attention the most. And similarly in heaven, when the person is hurting, so the parent heaven, God has to uh, hold the child and uh, be more close. So now, based on this, there's some things that come out of it. There's some things that come out of it. The Gemara says in the olden days when they used to have droughts in Israel. So there was a certain uh, protocol that the rabbis would go through fasting and different type of items in order to break the drought. When it started to get severe, it says they would take the teva from the shul and bring it in the middle of the street. And they would take ashes and they would pour the ashes on the teva. Now, besides that being very dramatic, or maybe traumatic, when people would see... You mean the table? No, the teva, where the hazan stands, they would take, where they put the sefer Torah, they would take it and put it in the public square, and then take ashes and sprinkle it on the teva. So the Gemara asks, what is the, what is the reason for this? So the Gemara says, and I'm quoting, Why do they put efer makle on the teva? says because of what it says in chapter 91, Pasuk 15, which is we want to show uh, the people that God is with us in this difficult time. Now, we don't see God. So the representative of God in the synagogue is the Teva, let's say. Because that's where we put the Sefer Torah, that's where we pray to Him. So therefore, to symbolize that God is with us in this situation, we take ashes and put it on the teva, and that consoles the people as if to say, we're in trouble, but guess what? We're going to get out of this trouble, because if Hashem is with us, and we recognize that this is causing shekhinah pain, so therefore, the tzaddikim, when they would pray, this is a, a trick in prayer, I'll say a trick, it's a method in prayer, for prayers to be answered. If a person comes along and says, God, answer me on merit. God says, you think you have merit? <laughs> that only arouses judgment on the person because they open the books and then you're asking the IRS in heaven to audit and you never want to be audited. So you never tell God, answer me because I deserve it. God says, oh, you deserve it? Let's see what you deserve. And then they might open the books and say, guess what? Forget about the new thing you're asking for. Even the past stuff we're taking back because you don't earn that. So nobody ever wants to arouse a, a heavenly audit. So you're never supposed to say, I deserve it, I merited it. So then how is a person supposed to pray? The, the way a person prays with this kabbalah, which is a deep kabbalah of the, of the Kabbalists. But everybody could do it. It's, it's an easy kabbalah. That God, because I am in pain... For whatever reason, a girl wants to get married, or a man is having trouble in Parnassa, or a person having health. God, my pain is causing you pain. So answer me in order to relieve your pain. I'm praying only to take you out of the. Out of, it, it, it's, like, it's like a child would say, Mommy, it hurts me that you're in pain for me. I, I just wish this would go away for your sake, not even for my sake anymore, just to take my mother's uh, pain away. And similarly, you, when the person directs his prayer for the Shekhinah's uh, 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 
uh, a feeling or Shekhinah's partnership in this, in this item, then already Bori Alam says, you're right, for my sake I will do it. Uh, and therefore, it's, it's a high level of prayer. That's why the Gemara says that if a person has a sick person, God forbid, in his house, he should go to a Tamid Hakam and let the Tamid Hakam pray. Why? Pray yourself, of course. But since the Tamid Hakam uh, is closer to the Shekhinah, so when you ask the Tamid Hakam to pray, now he's feeling the pain of that person. And therefore he comes along and says, God says, if the Tamid Hakam is in pain, I'm in pain also. Therefore he relieves the Tamid Hakam from his pain and therefore the Shekhinah is taken uh, out of his pain as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a method. And this again is immoral. Anuchi Besarai, a very important uh, Yisod to remember that on the contrary, God does not leave us during our crisis. He actually is closer to us during our crisis. Don't we also say, like, don't let us learn lessons like of course. Of course. We're always telling God, we, 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 that, that's, that's, that's uh, 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 preventive. Right. We're asking God, we don't even want it to come to us that we have to deal with getting rid of it. That's preventive medicine. But God forbid, if a person has something, he has to know that the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah is with them. The Tzaddikim, uh, they always pray for the Shekhinah. That's, that's their main, their main thing. Shekhinah to lift the Shekhinah from its, uh, the fact that we're in exile. So if you ask most people, uh, why do you want Mashiach? Oh, because I heard that uh, all your credit card bills will be paid and therefore that's it. And I heard that your mortgage gets paid and I heard that uh, all the fruit is uh, free. They, they're doing it for mundane reasons. But if you ask the Sadiqim why they want Mashiach, they say because the Shekhinah is suffering. And Shekhinah is God's presence, uh, suffering in the world without a Beit HaMikdash. And therefore, Instead what that means? We say, God, do it for your sake, not for our sake. It's a high level of, of prayer, but that's uh, an effective way of prayer. I'd like to make uh, a few more comments on this chapter. Uh, there is, it's a deep chapter, there's nothing to talk about. Open up, open up chapter uh, 91, and I want to show you the pasuk over here. This is all that we did. Just give me one moment to find this. We are going to look at the... Oh, here it is. So we're looking at the Pasuk um, Yud Bet 12. So again, this is after the Pasuk that we talk about God should dispatch His angels to protect us. Now, what's the next Pasuk? Al Kapayim Yisa'uncha. What does that mean? They will carry you on their palms. That's why we say it at a funeral. Because at a funeral, they're carrying the body on their palms. So they're talking to the deceased in this sense. <laughs> but there's another explanation. That when a person is in trouble, Hashem is actually carrying him. Bore Olam is lifting him. That God forbid you should stumble over a rock on the road. That means those that put their faith in God and have trust in Hashem, so God will lift you up so you're saved from the uh, impediments and the rocks uh, that might be, that means the, the trials and tribulations of life, you are lifted above it. That's fine. But now, there's a rabbi called Rav Hida. And Rav Hida sees something... Uh, in this pasuk, he says, there's a certain uh, angel. It's a negative angel. It's a kilipa or a negative force, however you want to call it. And the negative force is referred to as Yefet Bar Esav. Yefet, the son of Esav. You ever hear of him? No, neither did I. But, but, Rav Hida introduced him to us this week, in this chapter. And at this pasuk, he says, is a good place to pray 
that you should not be damaged by Yefet Bar Esav, the name of this force. And where does he see it? Look at the Pasuk Yisa'uncha. You see, the, what's the first letter of Yisa'uncha? Yud. And then what? Peh. Pen. And then what? Taf. Tigof. That's Yefet. And then you have Ba'ebin Raglecha is Bar. And then Al Shachal Vafetin Esav. So you see straight, straight across? Now, al-shahal vafetin, these are types of vipers and snakes. Tidroch, you'll step on them, but you'll kill them before they kill you. So therefore, you're protected from, from that. The question I had is, what is this yefet par Esav? What are you talking about? I know Esav, I heard of him. But Esav's children, he doesn't have a kid called Yefet. Noah had a kid called Yefet. Shem Ham Yefet. But I never heard of Yefet par Esav. So I saw uh, in uh, one of Rabbi Friedman's talks, actually in Tavkuf Samech, which is about uh, 20 years ago, uh, he has a talk, or 15 years ago, on Haggah Sukkot, and he says the following. This is a deep concept. The Yetzir Hara, evil inclination, has two methods in seducing a person. One uh, works on non-religious people, but it doesn't work on religious people. The one that he uses for non-religious people is he just presents them to sin, and they fall for it because they really don't care too much, so he doesn't have to sugarcoat it or convince them too much. So he just says, you're hungry, go to Burger King, finished. And therefore, they don't need to be convinced so much because they want to go and therefore they have no Yerat Shammayim and therefore it's an easy sale. But people like us who are religious, if the instance they go to Burger King, we're going to tell them to jump in the lake. So he has to be a little more clever to figure out how to get us to... So what the Yitzhak does, and this is a, a very big tactic and uh, it's, we have to be aware of it, is that he portrays uh, the sin as a mitzvah. If you can imagine, uh, he could create all sorts of justifications why, although it seems wrong, it's not. And therefore, he paints it into a universe. And now, if you're a religious guy who is inter- or a girl who is interested in doing good, so the Yetzirah has to tell you, it's good. And you'd be surprised. Uh, the brain can justify almost anything. And you could, you know, figure out a rationalization why uh, doing the worst things is some sort of mitzvah because, you know, or Shalom Bayit, or the answer will find 101 reasons why it's okay to do it, and therefore, and that's the biggest concern because you don't have to be afraid of the wolf when he comes in wolf's clothing, but you have to be afraid of the wolf when he comes in sheep's clothing because you don't know he's a wolf. That's the concern. So the Yetzirah for the religious people comes as a sheep and therefore you could get seduced by that. And that is a big danger. And therefore there was a great rabbi called Baal Shem Tov and Baal Shem Tov said that the Gemara says in Shabbat, Shochet Hayav Mishum Soveya. I'll explain, don't get nervous. Shochet is somebody that slaughters on Shabbat. Like Shaita. What of the 39 melachot that are forbidden on Shabbat, which sin does the shohet get? Watering plants? No. Sifting? No. Cooking? No. So it's got to be one of the 39. What is the shohet? So the Gemara says, Mishum Tsoveya. It is dying. Not dying meaning death. Dying, D-Y-E. Dying like painting. Why? Because when the person makes shahita. The blood comes out, and the blood now dyes the hide of the animal. And therefore, it's dying. It's a form of dying. Okay, we could argue this if you agree with it, if you don't agree with it, but that's the Gemara. Came the Baal Shem Tov. And he said, when it says Shohet, of course it means a guy was slaughtering, but it's referring to the real Shohet. And who is the real Shohet of mankind? The Yetzirah. And it says the Yetzirah, when Mashiach comes... God is going to obliterate the Yetzirah. 
So the Baal Shem Tov said, why is he obliterating it? He was only doing his job. Poor guy, that's his job, to seduce us. So he did his job very well. So why should God obliterate a man for doing his job? So the Gemara is asking, Shohet Mishumayim Mechayev. Why is the Shohet, the Yetzirah, going to be Hayav? He was only doing what he's charged to do. Mishum Tzoveya. Because he painted. Which means, if he would present the sin as a sin, that's what he was commissioned to do. But he's coloring the sin to make it look like a mitzvah. That already is a dirty trick. And that already he's going to be held liable for. God tells the Yetzirah, you want to seduce them? Present Burger King as Burger King. But he doesn't. He paints it. And now he presents the Avon as a... So therefore the Shohet is going to be Hayab Mishum Soveya. Because he's actually coloring it and putting, uh, you know, a, 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 good, a good look to something that is, should be repulsed, repulsive. Now, based on this, Rabbi Friedman says, the yet, we're done. The Yetzirah is called many names. You want to hear one of his names? Paro. That's okay, you got it right. The Zohar says, even though Paro is the king of Egypt, but they also, it's like if you want to call uh, 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 the Yetzirah a name, you say, ah, it's Paro. And Paro is the embodiment. Another name of the Yetzirah would be Nahash, the snake. It has many names. And one of his names is Esav. Rightfully so. Esav is the embodiment. So the rabbis are telling you, there's a certain method of the Yetzirah that what? He presents the Yetzirah as beautiful. And you know what that Yetzirah is called? Yefet bar Esav. Yefet. When he comes along and he shows you the beauty. It's not as bad as you think. It's not as repulsive. Yefet bar Esav. And therefore, when you say this pasuk, al kapayim yitzaunkha, and you have the kabana, yitzaunkha, pen, tigof, pa'eb, naglecha, al, shachal, bafetin, yimichaven, save me from yefet bar esav. That means not only from the seduction of the yetzerah that is telling me to do something that is bad, but tell me, save me from the sheep or the wolf that's coming dressed as a sheep that I don't notice or I might be convinced Therefore, this pasuk So you see, the chapter has many, many layers of protection. Now we're talking on a personal level. If a person is struggling with his yetzerah, saying this chapter also will give a person a clearer picture and a view in order to overcome those temptations as well. So it's a it's an incredible chapter. The chapter ends with the beautiful pasuk. Whoever reads this chapter and has the kabana, God will afford them. Orich yamim, which means long life. Aspi'eu means they'll be satiated with long life. Ve'ar'eu bishu'ati. And not only that, but they will live to see my salvation. They will live to see the coming uh, of the Mashiach. And even if they don't survive that, they will be resurrected in order to see the final salvation in our time. All right. There you go, ladies.